I'm Jim Frawley, and this is Bellwether. Bellwether. Thank you for joining this week. We have a phenomenal guest. If you've been listening to the podcast for a long time, you know that you know. just last week I had the big shtick on wellness and we, we reorganize wellness. We talk about wellness all the time and wellness has these different components. One of the frustrating things I have with talking about wellness is there's a lot about the what needs to happen less on the how. And I always like to bring in experts to talk about these types of things. And, and I do a lot of work in the background. You don't necessarily see it. You see it when they come on, but we find the really good people that are going to give you really good, good knowledge. And that's what we're going to do today. A lot of people, when we talk about physical wellness, you talk about your diet, your fitness, your sleep. And if you read the book, you know, we talked about how much what you eat impacts your ability to think about things and, and your cognitive ability. And, and there's this kind of big whole circle of everything that, that we want to talk about. Today, I brought in uh, an integrative nutritionist. She's brilliant. She knows exactly everything uh, that we want to learn because nutrition is such a big topic. And it's so big. It's so confusing. Everybody seems to be an expert when they're not. They have little context as to what you need and we get confused trying to find whatever the fad diet is or I want a short term thing. And and so let's just cut the cut the BS and let's get to to an expert. And, and that's why we have Marissa Winter here. So, Marissa, thank you for joining us on Bellwether Hub. Please tell us about yourself and then let's get right into it. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, thrilled to be here. I am an integrative nutritionist. I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. I have a master's in holistic health from Georgian Court in good old Lakewood, New Jersey. Um, and I am also a certified, board certified health and wellness coach. Right now I'm working with Hackensack Meridian Integrative Health and Wellness. So I do have a clinical practice with that group, um, which is an amazing learning experience, terrific bunch of people, a wonderful team. And um, I also do a lot of work with the Center for Conscious Caregiving, which is more of the coaching end of it. Excellent. And so when we now this being, I should have just said, we're kicking this off in National Nutrition Month. So it this is. is, you know, the perfect time to have this discussion. What right. I like about you and, and what we've talked about before, you know, before we actually recorded this is there's a balance between what's factual good information regarding nutrition, but then also the coaching people on how to get there. So talk to me a little bit about, you know, you say it's ultimately about self-care, but give me a little bit of your philosophy on nutrition and how we should be thinking about nutrition and, and getting our, our heads in the right place before we really talk about the hows and everything else. That's, that's a, it's a great segue in. Um, I think what has happened and where a lot of the noise and the confusion comes in is that over the last, I don't know, 20 years, maybe probably a little bit longer, most of the nutrition research has focused on individual nutrients. It's all about vitamin D or whatever the nutrient of the day is, right? And 
The reality is that that reductionist way of looking at things doesn't necessarily serve us. It's great for the science aspect, but we eat food. So we tend to think of things when we read about nutrition, 10 power foods that will change your life and all that stuff. And, and you know, let's face it, it though that's it's not that simple. You're eating food and you're putting it into a system. So I always look at it like, you know, the body, instead of being a, a mechanistic type of uh, paradigm, right? So let's just say like, I hurt my shoulder, so now I go get my shoulder repaired. I have clogged arteries in my heart, and so now I have a workaround. I can get a bypass, right? In reality, we're not machines. We're more like gardens. And and that's how I kind of propose it to a lot of my patients is you've got to look at the whole thing. So you can't just look at an individual nutrient and then target the foods that provide that nutrient. Because what we know also is that eating patterns are really the thing that create health and well-being in people. It's not that, you know, your macros are aligned. It's that you're eating food that is nourishing. You're eating a, a complement, a variety, a balance. You know, you're giving yourself nutrients together because we know there's a synergistic effect in nutrients, right? So if you eat something orange with something green, it's going to work better. So two plus two equals five. Um, so it's it's shifting more into the mindset of how am I going to take care of myself and what's the broader picture, like pull back the lens a little bit versus focusing so much on the nuts and bolts and getting it right and I like and I don't like the garden analogy. I like the garden analogy because what people don't realize is that a garden doesn't just happen when you plant the seeds. It happens throughout the year, even in the off season and everything else. Right. What I don't like about that analogy is I tried to do that with my daughter and it was an absolute disaster. So figuring out the garden is, uh, and maybe that's my segue into the question is how much do we have to learn in terms of figuring out these things that pair well together? You said the orange and the green. Pairing well is really good. Figuring out the nutrients that we actually need. How much education is there? Is there a shortcut that people can take? Is there, you know, because when we, the macro thing is confusing for some people, right? What's really a carb versus, you know, you got your, your carbs, your proteins, you know, all of these different things. And I know you're looking at your macros and people, then you're, they're counting their calories, but how do calories relate to macros? And so there's a process to it and right. And it's, it's frustrating. So where do you begin? to educate yourself to find out what's best for you? So first you stop trying so mm -hmm. hard because there are a thousand ways to get it right. It's really a matter of, of eating food. And this has become a very popular mantra. And I, and I really um, like Michael Pollan with his little mantra about eat food, not too much, mostly plants. Those are really simple things. Um, the point with the garden is that it's all interrelated and there are seasons. There are times where you're going to be craving salads and there are going to be times where you're just done with salads and you want something warming. Okay. So Irish stew, so that's a good Irish stew, a good Irish Guinness <laughs> stew. This is the month for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and it's acknowledging that and, 
recognizing that because your body is giving you messages all the time. It's just we're not really paying a whole lot of attention or we're trying to whip it into submission or force it into doing something and deferring our own body's wisdom and needs to some expert, right? And so it really is quite simple. Eat food, not a food-like substance. Eat something that looks the way it's found in nature. So an apple versus applesauce versus apple chips, right? right? So there's different levels of processing and not all of them are bad, but really it boils down to common sense to a large extent too. Like, you know that those potato chips are not the same as a potato. Come on, like be honest. But they do taste better. You know it. They do taste better. (laughs) They They taste good in certain circumstances and there's no reason why you can't have them. Right. So, again, it's just what do you want to do with yourself? What are you what are you feeding? I guess is really the, the key question. Are you feeding well-being? Are you feeding a heartbreak? Are you feeding a frustrating day? What are you feeding? And is it working? Right. So I guess there's a ton of shortcuts. None of them are actually going to be sustainable. Well, it sounds it sounds like a lot of it is is more of a psychological the way that you've just you've just presented it is, you know, what are you feeding? It's almost, um, you know, why do you eat? Right. What is nourishment? And some people think about it as fuel for, you know, your machine. Other people would say it's just nourishment so that you could do the things you want to do. Um, is this more of a learning process for people to to reframe how they think about food, which sounds kind of silly when you think about it. You know, why do you eat food? It's not just to live, but there's actually it serves a purpose for you to do other things. Is this just is that how we should be thinking about about food and nutrition and nourishment and all of the the other good words? I honestly think that we have a lack of mindfulness right now. And there is a place for it in everything we do. And that doesn't mean that you have to, you know, agonize over what's the best thing and and chew your food 50 times and all that stuff. Um, But it is, I think, important. And I think it is serving to each person to figure out, yeah, what is it that I am trying to get? Because sometimes food is fuel. I mean, it's always fuel. It's also information. It tells your cells what to do, right? Um, it, it has a whole gamut of potential. So if you're just grabbing something because you're so hungry, you can't even think straight, then you're just filling the hole and you're not going to make a good decision. So you're not going to support your well-being. So I think it's really important to start out at the beginning of the day. What is it that I need to accomplish? What is it that I am trying to get to? How do I want to feel? It always boils down to how do I want to feel? Because that's what sets your intention. Okay. And so if I want, if I know that I have a day that's going to go off the rails potentially because I have patients that are stacked up and then I have home responsibilities and all that stuff, I have to be able to say, okay, I need to optimize what I'm giving myself. I need to build in the time so that as I consume it, it's being done, uh, digested in a way that is able to access the nutrients that I'm giving myself, right? Because if we're eating in the car or if we're eating while we're working or if we're eating while watching the news, 
If you're not eating in a relaxed state, you are not digesting that food. It is not being utilized the way you think it is because digestion is a, is a function of a relaxed state. So, and, I, and this is kind of like taking this topic off in a little bit. Yeah, but that's, I mean, um, when I think about intentionality um, is, is all about individual focus. It's about the inner dialogue. It's about what do I need now? It's right. about being in control of yourself. And a lot of what we talk about in the podcast and everything else is you're ultimately responsible for the bed you lie in, right? Whatever it is. And, and that's yeah. it. And, right. and we need to sometimes revisit the way we're having these types of conversations with ourselves. What do I actually need? And, and why am I doing what I'm doing? And um, where we're going to be in six months is a result of the decisions we're making today. And it's, right. and that's all, you know, intentionally what nourishes me. And that answer could be different for, every, for anybody. Exactly. And at different times. You know, there's a time where those potato chips, those are fine. That brownie, it's fine. Very often. But it's an 80-20 or a 90-10. <laughs> that, but that's where that question comes in then. What am I feeding? Right. If I'm going for the brownie and I'm not paying attention to why I want this brownie, I just see it and I want it because it's been a really long day and, you know, everything went wrong and that person yelled at me and I missed my deadline and blah, 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 whatever that story is. And then you see that brownie and that brownie is like Comfort. sweetness. <laughs> it's some sweetness now. And then you eat the brownie and you're doing it standing up over the sink or over the garbage pail, right? I feel like you're in our kitchen watching me at like nine o'clock at night. I'm in, I'm in my kitchen. This is, this is not abnormal. This is, this is why I have a job. So, I mean, it really boils down to taking that pause and saying, okay, what am I feeding? Am I, and if the brownie is what's going to nourish your soul right now, then put the damn thing on a plate, sit down and savor that brownie. And then you're not going to regret it. But if you are just stuffing your emotions, we call yeah, it. Yeah. Right? So you're just covering them over with food. That's not going to get you where you want to go. That's going to start the whole, I can't believe I did that. Why do I do that? I'm no, you know, and you start the whole story thing and you wind up shooting yourself in the foot. So being able to take a pause, being able to just take that moment, where am I right now? Am I in a stress state? Because if I'm eating in a stress state, that's not going to end well. So, you know, it, it really is more complex and yet simple. So it's, it, but it's also hard, right? So if we were to think about, <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not easy. easy. It's very simple, but it may not it's be simple, easy. but it's not easy. So how do, you know, how do you do that? Right. Because you know what? In theory, as I look at that plate of brownies, you say, you know what? I know I'm going to eat brownies. Right. There's just no way I'm not going to do it. I shouldn't try to pretend it. And then I'm going to regret and I'm going to hate, you know, all of those things. So I love the idea of, you know what? I'm going to own this brownie, sit down at the table. I'm going to eat this brownie. I'm going to enjoy this brownie. Um, is that, I mean, is that a strategy that works for people? Is there something else to, to kind of change the mentality? How, how, or you could just shove it in your mouth and be like, yeah, I, I ate the brownie. So it's hard to be intentional sometimes. But maybe the yeah. question is, when you're in a stressed state, it's extremely difficult mm. to be intentional. Right? Mm. No what For it sure. is, beyond just food, 
you're stressed at work, For it's sure. difficult to be intentional with just sending a proper email. When you're stressed at home, it's difficult to be intentional with the kids. It's difficult to do all of these things. How do we coach people to be intentional when they're in that stressed moment, brownie in hand, on the precipice of, of regret? How do we get people to just do that pause? Is there a strategy for that? There's a bunch of strategies for it, but I, and I think part of it is the beauty of mindset. And you you actually hit on something perfectly because when you're in that stress state, you know you know that the frontal lobes go off, that critical thinking goes off, that strategizing goes off, and you are in a reactive state. One of the simplest ways to get yourself off or back away from the precipice is using breath. So I will tell my my patients and I'll tell my clients. If you can get yourself into a deep breath for around one, two, three minutes, right? If you can activate the vagus nerve, if you can bring yourself down off that edge, right? That can be very helpful in starting to shift that tide. Then you can actually make a choice versus react to a situation, right? The other thing, like there are a lot of little techniques, um, we use emotional freedom technique, which is also known as tapping. Okay. That can be super helpful in bringing down the charge from the emotions in the body, right? Um, so that can be helpful. Just I'll teach people tapping. It's super easy to learn. Right now there's a, a Tapping World Summit. You can find a bunch of um, videos on YouTube for it. It's got excellent, excellent research backing it up works quite well with taking people down off the edge. Um, but the thing that I'll always stress to my patients and my clients is to get very, very clear on what you want. Because, and, and you never want what you think you want, right? You always want a feeling. We think that if I lose the 10 pounds or if I get the car or if I have the job or whatever it is, that's, that's what's, I want that. I'll feel better. My life will come into alignment, right? And for, for me in the health and wellness field, a lot of it has to do with body image and weight. Mm -hmm. So if I have this weight or if I can, you know, get shredded or whatever, right, then it, things are going to be okay. That's So you're hooking your wagon to the wrong thing because it's not that external desire, that condition. It's really the feeling that you're trying to get to. So I'm trying to feel comfortable in my clothes. I'm trying to feel energetic. I'm trying to feel worthy or attractive or whatever. It takes work to get to that space. That's deep stuff. But when we get there, when you have a very clear picture of the quality of life that you want to embody, that becomes very motivating. And then it becomes much simpler to say, well, is this going to bring me closer or is this going to pull me away? Right. And so I tell people, you know, do a vision board, write it down, get very clear on what you want and then smack it all over your house, stick it on your mirror, put it on your phone, stick it on the fridge, slap it on the pan of brownies, because that's going to give you a little bump. And you're going to say like, okay, wait, um, and when you're really on the edge and you really, really, really need the brownie, my favorite trick is the three bite rule. 
because research has shown that the first three bites of any food are the most pleasurable. So you've got like a diminishing marginal returns going down, right? And so if that brownie is screaming your name, then have the brownie, but portion out three bites of it. And again, sit down, savor every bite, and then have a nice drink of water and, and you're done because now you've maximized your pleasure Three bites of anything. And, you know, we're talking like three bites. We're not well, talking that's three what bites. my head was going. <laughs> yeah, I, I can know. take a good bite. Um, I like what you said there about, you know, a lot of these things, and we'll talk about weight loss. When, when you talk about nutrition, you have to talk about weight loss because I feel like that's why most people would probably tune into this is, you know, I want to lose a couple of pounds here. I want to do that. Can't keep it off, right? It's this kind of cycle of ongoing. And the question of why do you actually want to lose the weight, Right. I want to look better without a shirt at the beach. Well, that doesn't actually matter because it, you're dealing with an insecurity. So losing the weight doesn't actually address the internal. You're looking for external validation on something internally that you need to figure out. Is this the same with nutrition? I mean, how do we get people to really, they're right at their vision board and it's all externally focused, intrinsically motivating kind of, I want people to, uh, like me better or desire me more or whatever that is. But ultimately that's your responsibility, right? And it's not losing weight, but it's, you know, how are you interacting with people? And it may not be your physical versioning of yourself, but how you actually treat people. How do you get people to think beyond, I just want to lose weight into the why and what's, what's a good enough why? Well, the good enough why is whatever is really going to motivate you, but but that's something that I do a lot with the coaching practice, and there's a whole process that we use because it is not as easy as a one and done. You know that we're just built to self sabotage because we we don't like change, and once you start to initiate a change, everything starts to get in your way, right? Um, the bottom line is, what people really want is a quality of life. You're not solving a problem. You're bringing a quality of life into your life. So you're moving towards something you want rather than moving away from something you don't want. And this, this culture is very, very problem-solving oriented. We can fix this. Right. And it's not so much about fixing it as it is about creating what you want. So, yes, you want to go to the beach and look good with your shirt off, okay, why? Because I want to feel comfortable. I want to feel confident, right? Just what you were saying. Once you start to define that, then the vision board does not become external. It becomes more supportive of that internal state of being. And and one thing that, that I do, that we do, is continually bring people back to that. Right. Because it, it needs to be a, re, a reminder all the time. Right. Because problem solving is a default setting. And if all you're doing is looking for problems to solve, you're going to find lots of problems to solve. That's fine. But the quality of your life then is not going to improve for any long term sustainable way. So it's emphasizing that quality and that quality is going to change over time. It's not like, oh, I'm going to be confident and then. Okay, now we're static because we're not static. We're never static. So it will be doing those things 
that allow you to know yourself as a confident person. Okay, so maybe that means that I lift weights because I know that when I have nice muscle definition, I feel better about myself and that's that enhances my confidence. Maybe I increase my hydration. Maybe I start to go to bed at a reasonable hour so that I have enough sleep so that I'm not dragging my tail, you know, three blocks behind the rest of me trying to get up to speed. So it's defining that quality that you really, really want and choosing one because we all have a bunch of them. So just choose one. Got a laundry list. What is Got it? a laundry list. <laughs> right. But you don't need to do it all at once. So pick one and then figure out what what that's going to look like in your life. And, and you okay. become a different person once you make that change and you're going to make different decisions at that right. point and everything else. Is that where most people you think go wrong when they're trying to lose weight? Is they don't really have the perspective on how either how long it's going to take or what lifestyle change really means or, or any of these? Because I feel like, again, it's simple. It's all simple. We know what we're supposed to do, yet we just don't do it. We know what we want, but we just don't properly articulate it. Are these the, you know, how do you commit to a lifestyle change and stay motivated in that lifestyle change? Because if you eat what you're supposed to eat, you're going to lose weight. Your body naturally figures it out, right? So it's not about this crash course thing, but it's an ongoing time. How do you stay motivated to stick to say, this was the right lifestyle choice and change that I've made, even though I'm not seeing immediate results? How long does it take? And I don't really, I mean, I guess it's different for everybody, of course, but how do you, how do you, I guess, keep perspective on a, on a lifestyle change? Well, I mean, that's the beauty of mindset, right? So if you've decided that I want this quality, this is how I want my life to look. And it's not just saying I want to be more confident. It's, it's really fleshing out what that looks like, how I'll move through my day, what my relationships are going to consist of, right? Once that mindset's there, then you're going beyond the short term because and that's kind of you're in the phase of the garden mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you're starting to and you may not see a result for a while i have people all the time come in and you know i've been doing this for two weeks i've been doing, <laughs> doing this for two weeks and i've only lost a pound it's like dude that's exactly what you should be doing that's fine that's that's perfect you know, because we really want that quick fix. And that's telling, that's my signal that, okay, we need to really work on bringing you along. We need to work on, you know, where the resistance is, where the obstacle is, what's getting in your way to shifting out of the problem solving, because now you're still in problem solving. You've just defaulted and it feels really comfortable and you probably don't even notice it because we're so used to problem solving. But in order to do a lifestyle change, and make it sustainable it's it's a longer vision and it's having that vision this is what my life is going to look like you know so so if you're going to climb everest you're not just gonna you know sit there and look at the peak you got to look at what's exactly in front of you and you're going to do each step right and we have to address then what's going to get in the way of each step because there's there's resistances that you're going to put up that we're all going to put up because it's change and we know that. So it's being able to recognize it and strategize about it and figure out, well, 
this is where I'm tripping myself up because it's not about eating less and working out harder all the, all the time. Once you get to a certain point, it really isn't about just eating less. I have some people who don't understand why they're losing, they're not losing weight because they're not eating enough. Right. And so that works against you as well. And it becomes this panicky sense of I can't get it. I can't get it or I get it, but it, you know, won't stick. Right. And so it's it's the mindset of the longer term. What's the vision? What do you want for yourself? Where are you going? I like the the framing of rather than moving away from something and moving towards something. Right. I'm not moving away from being 300 pounds. I'm moving towards whatever it is that I've outlined that I actually want to go to. When we do that, no matter our best intentions, no matter our vision board, we get five days in, we get two weeks in, and we'll sabotage ourselves. Mm-hmm. Why do we do that? Or how do you not That do is it? what we call, that's what we call a resistance. And something will come up because it is a change. You are but again, it's a long-term thing. So why are we doing it? Well, there's probably a million reasons because there's any number of possibilities that's your personal bugaboo, right? It's recognizing it for what it is though. You know, maybe it's unprocessed emotions. Maybe it's terrible boundaries. Maybe it's, maybe it's like you really have a knowledge deficit about what you should be eating. Because that happens yeah. too. There is, as you mentioned in the, the very beginning, there's a lot of information out there and everybody's an expert. Everybody's an expert because everybody eats and everybody eats multiple times a day, right? And food processors have healthified things and put little health halos on things and it's marketed well and it sounds like it would make sense and it does taste good. And anyway, so the bottom line is though that being able to recognize where you're hanging yourself up, where you're undermining yourself. Who's that little voice that's, I mean, my favorite is the one that says, okay, now I've committed to make this change. I'll do it on Monday. Right. Right. Because you feel really good about that. I've committed, committed, but I'll do it later. Yeah. Right. Right. And then Monday is the following Monday and the following Monday. and, And I can't even tell you how many Mondays have been before we started to make those changes. So I think part of what's helpful with it is having somebody like a coach, like someone who can help you say, you know, you're doing that thing you do, and maybe we ought to think about a different way, look for a different path. Because if this isn't working, and that means that you're going to have to make peace with the fact that you're going to be uncomfortable for a while. Right. There's no shortcut. But it's not necessarily space, easy. Right. Yeah. Right. But that space is going to get you where you want to be. And you know where you want to be because you put the time in to really clarify and define it. And you've you've made it something real. And now you're taking that momentum. And when you hit those roadblocks, it often means that you're moving forward because if you're sitting still, you're not banging into any roadblocks. You're not noticing the obstacles that are just waiting to get you, right? That are waiting to be addressed, I should say, not get you, okay? So so that's also a sign that you are making progress. It's finding your best 
Way it was up. a saying when I was studying to be a coach, when they said, if the client ain't lifting, the client ain't shifting. So if they're not doing the work, they're not moving. And that, exactly. <laughs> I love it. Love it. That's now, great. Here, you know, I guess one of the people are going to take this and they're going to say, yeah, because everything you're saying is spot on, right? Which we knew, which we knew was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen. And they're going to be motivated to start with something and say, you know what, I'm going to, maybe I'll write my vision board this weekend, or maybe I'll do this. Sometimes it's not about hearing the right things. It's also knowing what to ignore, right? And so, you know, they're going to leave this mm -hmm. and then they're going to Google for other ideas and they're going to go down into a rabbit hole. What advice do you have for people that are swinging from fad to fad who want to just get started, who are jumping through to say, you know what, I'll drink this in the morning and then I'll do this. And, um, you know, how do they, do they have to just kind of create their profile and say anything that doesn't fit into this? Shed it? Is there, you know, how do we know what to ignore in, in the context of so mm. much noise? Well, obviously, the first thing, obviously, is like if it sounds really, really good and easy, don't, don't it's not do gonna it. Be. Just right. stop right there. There's your red flag right there, right? Um, there is a lot of noise. You're absolutely right. I think all of us kind of have an, an understanding, a basic common sense understanding. Um, I will tell you that one of our rules really, and we don't have many rules per se, but if it, if it leaves out whole food groups, just walk away. Okay. We always, always are going to push. And I'm by we, I mean the nutrition community, like, trained nutritionists are always going to push whole foods. In other words, foods that look the way they're found in nature. We're going to push plant forward eating. So the more plants on your plate, the better your health outcomes. Okay. So it really isn't all that specific for each person. I mean, there's going, there's a lot of research and a lot of emphasis now being spent on, it's called nutrigenomics and it's like checking your DNA and you're getting, we're not there yet. We're just not there yet. What we do know though, is that people who eat a whole lot of plants, who eat um, un, you know, monounsaturated fats, who eat healthy fats, not refined grains, not a whole lot of sugar, not a whole lot of things that have become quite popular in the last century, they have better health outcomes. So if you want to do Mediterranean, if you want to do DASH, if you want to do a mind diet, the, the bottom line is more plants, less processed food. Start there. The um, I'm going to throw you a curveball. I don't know if people ask you this. Okay. But we didn't talk about it. Okay. If I'm eating more plants, do I go organic or mm. not? Doesn't matter. There's an awesome website called Environmental Working Group, which is ewg.org. And they publish a list every year of the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15. And the Dirty Dozen are those 12 fruits and vegetables that have the most amount of pesticide residue mm -hmm. on them. Clean 15 have the least amount of pesticide residue on them. So if you can, it's in your interest to buy organic versions of the Dirty Dozen 
and save your money. I mean, because nobody can really, and I get this, I do get this. Like I can't shop at, you know, these premium grocery stores all the time. Like I don't- When you're picking your plants, right? It sounds great to do all that. It could get pricey very, very quickly in terms of- Very quickly. The berries and the, the, the kale and the carrots and the, you know, do you do organic versus not? And you, you know, all that stuff, it's difficult, but okay. It is, but ultimately, I would always tell someone, even if you can't do anything organic, you are always going to be better off health-wise by using a plant-forward eating pattern. So when you emphasize plants, even if they're all conventionally raised, you're still going to be in a better place health-wise and nutrition-wise than if you just forego it and eat a bunch of processed food or, you know, just, right? So Not it organic really is lettuce is healthy. better than a dinner of yodels and Twinkies is what you're telling them. Ah, yeah, <laughs> for sure, for sure. Or chicken nuggets and French right, fries, right, right? right? So, yep, yep, yep. And I guess it ultimately comes down to you're, we're making decisions in the moment. I guess this goes back to making good decisions despite your stress, but what's the, sometimes you're, you're, deciding what's the least bad thing I can eat right now, because that's kind of the environment we're in. We've got the idea of what we'd like to eat at home and everything else, but we're on the road traveling or, you know, traveling for work right. or, or picking up the kids and you got to do things fast and the kids have to eat and it's very easy to do a drive through. And, you know, what's the least bad thing in this moment? And then you can rally again for the next meal. But is that kind of a, a way to think? I guess, well, that's how I think about it anyway. Well, part of the challenge I think that a lot of people face is that they don't think about eating until about 30 minutes before mealtime. And if you're hungry or if you're stressed, you're not going to make a good decision. You're just not. So you can do damage control and it's there are going to be situations where everybody needs to be in four different places in about, within 15 minutes and, and you just got to punt and hope for the best, right? But for a lot of people spending a little bit of time planning the week and incorporating the meals into it right so you'll plan your your week out right you know when your meetings are and you know when your calls are and i know when my patients are and and all that stuff but i'm also needing to plan this day everybody needs to be in some other place so maybe i prep some food ahead of time maybe i cook four extra portions or eight extra portions, right? Because I'm Italian, so I can cook a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> Dozens of extra and prepackage. portions. Right? Take some home that's not you. extra, that's just what we need, <laughs> you know? Right? So, but being able to kind of anticipate where is your biggest road bump? And that's also part of addressing the resistances and the obstacles of getting you where you want to be. Because I hear that a lot. You know, I'm just too busy. Well, it really is a reflection of where's the priority more than I'm too busy. It's just, this is either a priority or it's not a priority. If it's not a priority and you just can't pull it out to this week or this month or whatever, you know, be honest about it. This, I can't do it right now. I need to send, spend my energy focused in this direction. I only have so much energy to spend, right? But, there are apps that people can use. There are meal kits if you want to go down that route. Like there are a number of ways to address meal prep, meal planning. And even being able to have the idea 
have some thought of like, I'm going to have this tonight. I'm going to bring that tomorrow. It can just make your life significantly easier. It does decrease your stress. And you can then make a choice rather than default to doing the least amount of damage. And I feel like it taking the time to plan ends up buying you more time later because you're going to be more productive based on eating the, the oh, yeah. better things than making the last minute decision and regretting the entire, you know, time hero that you ate and then you're not doing anything in the afternoon. Whereas if you had just done some planning, now all of a sudden your afternoon is much more productive because you ate something that is in tune with whatever it is that, that you would actually need. Exactly. And it saves you money. It saves a lot of money. We throw out a ridiculous amount of food. And and if you're doing takeout frequently or, or doing fast food frequently, stuff right. ain't cheap. Yeah, it adds up. It does. Marissa, this is amazing. This is very helpful. It's always the questions that we want to ask, but we never ask. And we get frustrated when we're trying to do something. And it's all of this, this kind of stuff. Um, so thank you. Thank you for everything you added. I'd like to end every episode with a book recommendation. I don't know if you prepared a book mm -hmm. recommendation or not, but do you have a book that you would recommend to people either on this topic, on any topic, a book you enjoy, what's your favorite book? Doesn't, it doesn't matter, but what is your recommendation for people on something to read? Uh, it's hard to pick just one, but I think my latest kick has been Joe Dispenza. Um, he is not just because he's a Rutgers alum, go Scarlet Knights, <laughs> but he has written a couple of books. His first one is called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Okay. And it really is about a lot of what this conversation was. In other words, deciding on a quality of life and figuring out what matters and how you want to move through the world and then taking those steps to bring yourself into that reality. And the beauty of him, he's got a terrific story, but the, the beauty is that he marries science with that whole psychological concept because he, he runs these uh, sessions, and, but he's doing brain scans of people mm -hmm. as they are making these changes. And so it's, it's really fascinating stuff. So I would, that's my, my shout out. As far as um, a food one, though, I'll give you a bonus. There's a, a book called Chasing Cupcakes Ooh. by Elizabeth okay. Benton. And it is a really fascinating book. I love her approach to weight loss. Now, she had disordered eating patterns, so it's, it's a little different. But her approach really is applicable to a lot of people, and she... Um, does focus a lot on the underlying psychological things that get in your way. And she, it's, it's more of a coaching mm. book than an actual weight loss book. But I, I recommend that one a lot to people because I think she, she really has some very, very good insights. And look, who wouldn't, if you had to chase something, it might as well be a cupcake. So that would be, it that might would be good. Marissa, thank you so much. Three bites. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Um, this is great. Everybody tune in, come to Bellwether Hub. I'm going to have all of Marissa's information. Reach out to Marissa. She's got everything that you could possibly need uh, in terms of this and her background and her website and her LinkedIn and all that good stuff. So reach out to her for, for anything. Marissa, a pleasure as always. 
Thank you for your wisdom. Jim, it was my deep honor. Thank you so and much. Everybody, listen, make changes, be intentional with your changes, and I look forward to seeing everybody soon. Thanks for paying attention. Thank you so much for listening. Now, do something for yourself. Bellwether is much more than just a podcast. Join us at bellwetherhub.com, where you can read riveting articles, view upcoming events, and connect with other interesting people. I look forward to seeing you out there soon. Thank you.